This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today. We want you to stay tuned today as we discuss this subject, God's Plan for Blessing. God has a plan for blessing us. Stay tuned as we discuss that plan. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize that it is free. We want you to have it in order that you might know more about the course. And in order that you might know how to receive the course, let's pause for just a moment. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. If there's anything that God wants us to know, He has revealed that in the Bible. Anything He wants us to know. If God wants us to know how to be saved, and He does, He reveals that in the Bible, and He has. If God wants us to know how to, to live our lives, then He has revealed that in the Bible, and He has revealed it in the Bible. And if God wants us to know what re responsibility I have as it pertains to the material things of life, God has revealed that in the Bible. And if God wants me to know what I must do to receive the best of His blessings, God has revealed that as well. I want to read a passage to you from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. A number of years ago, there was a friend who called me and she had worked all week long and she had received a check for the work she had done. And she asked me this question. Can you tell me how much I should give out of the check that I have received? She had earned $65 that week. I knew what $65 meant to that family. They had it hard at times. And she asked me this question, do you think it would be enough if I were to give $25 to the Lord out of the 65? I shall never forget the way I responded to her. 
I said, first of all, I cannot tell you how much to give. That's something that's between you and God. But secondly, I would ask you the question, do you think you can afford to give that much? And she replied by saying, I'm afraid not to. I'm afraid, Billy, that if I don't, that God will take away everything that I have. And I said, by all means, give it. And she did. And she was a very liberal giver then, and she is very liberal with the giving of her money to the Lord today. And as a result of that liberality, God has blessed her and blessed her husband, have a new home, they've had a business, they've been able to, to be able to live quite well in life. And I am convinced the reason that she has been blessed is because she was willing to give to the Lord. I'll state this, that you never will outgive the Lord. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. In the verse that I've read to you from the sixth chapter of Luke's Gospel, we have a plan that God has laid out for us. A plan to receive the very best of His blessings. I want you to follow along with me as we look at this plan. And first of all, we find Jesus saying, Give. That's the very first word. He just says, Give. And that really means you give. This is not a suggestion. This is a a command. And we give not sporadically. We, we give not on the spur of the moment. But the way that we give ought to be a, a lifestyle. A lifestyle of giving. Jesus said you need to give. But he did not tell us what to give. Somebody says, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to give. It just says give. Well, let me ask you, what do you need? Do you need love? Why don't you give love? Do you need understanding? You give understanding. You see, life is an echo. What we give comes back to us. But, but we want to think about it in relation to the money that we have in our possession. God is interested in our, the money that we have. He's interested in how we obtain it. And God is interested in what we do with the money that He has allowed us to have. Jesus said, give. Well, now, why do you suppose that the Lord said, give? I think there are several reasons that God said, give. One reason that God said, give, is because more than any other thing, God wants to bless you. It's the case that God wants to give good things to them that love Him, Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. And God is fully capable of blessing us. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, Paul said, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory. God is able to bless us because everything belongs to Him. Psalms 24 and verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So reason number one that we are to give is so that God can bless us. Now, another reason that God wants us to give is that we might win over 
the spirit of covetousness. That's a terrible sin. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, Jesus gave this warning, this double warning. He said, take heed, beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things he possesses. So um, we, we need to give in order that we might win over the spirit of being covetous. Uh, there was a gospel preacher a number of years ago by the name of David Lipscomb. David Lipscomb University, in Nashville, Tennessee, his name for, for Brother Lipscomb. And he said that on one Sunday morning that he had determined that he was going to give $5 to the Lord. And he said right before they were to take up the collection, the devil tempted him not to give it, to keep it instead of giving that $5. He said instead of giving $5, he said he gave $10. And the devil has never bothered him again. You see, we need to give that we would win over the covetous spirit. Another reason that the Lord wants us to give is to, this is going to determine our priorities. And who's really the boss in your life? In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, and mammon is money. You cannot serve God and serve money at the same time. You know, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. But it's the love of money, the inordinate desire to have money, that is the root of all evil. And when an individual lives for money, that becomes the master of their life. But you cannot serve two masters. And when we give, it shows who is really in charge in your life. That Jesus is the boss in your life. That Jesus is the Lord of your life. And not the money that you possess. But another reason the Lord wants us to give is because this is a barometer of our spiritual temperature. I have observed people over the years and the way that they sometimes are in relation to the church and, and, the, and their activity in the church and their involvement in the church. Now let, let's just say you have an individual here who is attending Sunday morning worship services and they, they come Sunday night. They come on Wednesday night. They, they, they come to vacation Bible schools. They come to special classes that are taught. They're involved in the work program of the church. They're just involved. They're so very involved in the work of the church. And there's one thing that you notice about an individual like that. That individual, as a general rule, is very liberal in his or her giving to the Lord. They're very generous people. They're not stingy people. They, they support the Lord and they support His work in a very liberal and a very generous way. While to them, 10% is just where beginners get in. And, and, and they give so liberally and generous to the Lord. But then something happens. And now they're not quite as involved in the work of the church as they once were. They're not doing some of the things they used to. Oh, they're still coming to the services, but they're not involved. And then after a while, you begin to miss them on Wednesday night occasionally. And after a while, they're not there at all on Wednesday night. And then you begin to miss them some on Sunday night. And when you begin to check, you find that their level of giving has also decreased along with their interest and their zeal in the work of the Lord. 
I, I'm suggesting to you that there's a direct correlation between what we give to the Lord and how involved we are in the church. That's just an observation that I've made. This is a way that you gauge your spiritual temperature. And if you're on fire for the Lord, you're zealous for God, you're going to be a liberal giver to God. But another reason the Lord wants us to give is because this is a test of our faith in Him. Now when I think about someone who had their faith tested by the Lord, I think about Abraham. In Genesis, the 22nd chapter, the Lord commanded Abraham to take his son, his only son, and to offer that son as a sacrifice. Well, Abraham took his son, he took the wood, he took the fire, and they went out to the place where he was to offer him. And he had him on the altar. And he was about to take his life and do what God had required of him when God stayed his hand and there was a sacrifice that supplied in the place of his son. But the point is, he was willing to do it. You see, he was a man of great faith. And he had such faith that in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19, that we are told that he had enough faith that he believed that if we were to take the life of his son, that God could still raise his son from the dead and keep the seed promise he'd made to him in Genesis chapter 12. And so Abraham was a man of faith. And he was offer, asked to give the best that he had, and that was testing his faith. I submit to you that giving our money to the Lord, giving the money with which we have been blessed through working and the like, is a test of our faith in God. Now you say a test of what? Our faith in the promises of God. All through the Bible there are promises that God has given that He will bless those who give to Him. For example... Back in the book of Proverbs, the third chapter, and verse 10, 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all of thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. That just tells me that when I give God number one, I give Him the best that I have. I give Him off the top that the Lord is going to bless me. Think about Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if you give to God, that God is able to open up the windows of heaven, and pour out a blessing that is so great, so bountiful, that you're not able to receive it? Do you really believe that? Do, do you really believe that 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, that he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully? Do we really believe those promises? You see, God has promised to bless those who give. That's why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? You see, giving our money to the Lord is a test of our faith in His promises. And some of us are not going to be blessed, not because the Lord has not promised, but because we don't believe the promise. Why, here's a man who gets in an airplane. And let's just say that he's at 10,000 feet. And he tells the pilot that he's going to jump out of the airplane. And the pilot says, well, put on your parachute. He said, I believe that God can save me if I jump out without a parachute. 
And the pilot says, no, no, let me urge you to put on the parachute before you jump out. Because you'll be killed if you jump out without a parachute. This man says, I've got faith in God. And I have so much faith in God that I believe God will save me if I jump out of this airplane without a parachute. And so he jumps out. And, they, and then they bring an ambulance out and they pick him up and put him in the ambulance and take him to the morgue when he hits the ground. Now let me ask you something. Why did the man die? You say, well, he died because he jumped out of the airplane. No, he died because he hit the ground. And why did the man hit the ground without a parachute? The, the man hit the ground without a parachute because he believed God would save him without a parachute. You see, he had faith, but there's one thing that he did not have, and that was a promise. You see, God never promised to save him if he had tried to break the law of gravity. And that's what he was trying to do. But God has promised that he will bless us and that's the promise of God if we give to Him. And yet some of us don't have the faith that God will fulfill the promise that He has made. Friend, God will fulfill every promise that He's ever made. Second Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. In uh, 1 Kings eight fifty six, the Bible says there that God has kept every promise. He's fulfilled every word of His great promise. Every promise that God has ever made, God will, has kept that promise. He, he will not lie to us. Titus chapter 1 and 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. And when God says, If you'll give, I'll bless you. You can mark it down. God will keep His word. So Jesus said, Give. Now let's notice the next part of that verse. It shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosoms. One translation, the New American Standard reads, shall men give into your lap. In those days men wore long robes, and suppose a man had some potatoes he wanted to give a friend, and so that friend would reach down, pick up the end of that robe, and hold it out in front of him, and he might fill that robe full of potatoes. You give, and you are going to be blessed. Well, how are you going to be blessed? He said, good measure, good measure. I remember needing, one time needing some uh, gasoline for my, for my lawnmower, for my push mower. So I had a gallon can. I'll go to the station to buy a gallon of gas. And so I start pouring the gas in the can, a gallon can, all it will hold is one gallon. But when I looked on the pump, it had pumped a gallon and a half. As I paid for a gallon and a half of gas, but there's absolutely no way you could have gotten a gallon and a half gas in a, in a gallon can. I didn't get good measure. Let me tell you when Jesus gives to you, Jesus gives good measure. He said you're going to get good measure. And he said it will be pressed down and shaken together. You go to the store and you buy a box of cornflakes. And you take that box home. And then the next morning for breakfast, you open it up and you, you, you want to eat some cornflakes. 
Have you ever noticed this about that box? That right up at the top of the box, there will be about that much space in that box where there's nothing. There's no cornflakes. Maybe two inches at the top of the box. What's happened? Well, from the time that those cornflakes were put into that box, they have been shaken. They've been shipped. And by the time they get to you, those cornflakes have been shaken together. They've been pressed down in that box. But bless your heart, they're not running over. Let me tell you, when God gives to us, God shakes it down. It's full to the top. And it's running over. That's what God said. It will be running over at the top. God is going to bless us. And He will bless us abundantly. It will be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? I want you to think about that. Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, don't you think what he's saying here is what he will do in the next life? Well, I, we're going to be blessed in the next life. But he's talking about this life because he said, Shall men give into your bosom? We're going to be blessed in this life as well. And so we give good measure. And when we give good measure, we'll get good measure in return. God said, You give, it will be given to you. Now, there are two reasons that I believe that. Reason number one, I believe that, is because that is exactly what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that if you give, you will get. You will receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And, and we, we give and it will be given to you. The second reason I believe it is because I've experienced it in my life. When you give to God, God will bless you. Well, I don't mean that if I were to give God some money today, that tomorrow I can expect to get a lot of money in the mail, that I can expect someone to come and leave me a fortune. Absolutely not. There are many, many ways that God blesses us. There are ways that God blesses us that are absolutely uh, astounding. He blesses us with help. He blesses us with opportunities to work. He blesses us with, with people that encourage us. They're, they're, he blesses us with good families. He blesses us with the Bible. He blesses us with Jesus. He blesses us in so many ways that it's almost difficult to count them all. Count your blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. The Lord blesses us. When you give, it will be given to you. And when you give to God, God will never allow you to, to suffer. The Bible says in Psalms, the 37th chapter, I have been young and now I'm old, but I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God will take care of you. Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. What thing? Food, clothing, and shelter. Such things as that will be added unto you. That is, God will take care of you. That doesn't mean you may get everything that you want, but you'll get everything that you need. And we have few needs in life. We need to keep our wants few. And we need to keep them simple. Having food and raiment. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Let us therewith be content. And so Jesus said, You need to give and it will be given unto you. And in reality, 
We sometimes talk about my money, but it is his money. And Jesus Christ owns it all. It is his. It is not mine. There was a man who was walking by a candy store. And he looked in the door and he saw a child standing at the candy counter looking longingly at all of the candy. And it was obvious the child did not have money to buy any. So the man was touched and he went in and, and he asked the child, said, would you like some candy? And the child just nodded his head, yes. And the man told the clerk to, to, to weigh up a certain amount of candy that the child wanted. And the clerk put it in a little bag and when he put it in the bag, the child reached in the bag and got one of the biggest pieces of chocolate candy and stuffed it in his mouth and began to chew. And the man reached over, the man who had purchased the candy reached over to the bag because he thought, I'll see if I can get me a little piece of the candy. He said, do you mind if I have a piece? And that child clutched the top of that bag and he said, it's mine, it's mine. And he ran out the store. You say, what an ingrate. That child didn't deserve that candy, but isn't that a picture of humanity? We say this is mine and that is mine and this is mine and that is mine and we clutch it. And yet it all belongs to God. All that is in heaven, all that is in earth belongs to God. And so we give and it will be given unto you. But then Jesus said, it will be given unto you with good measure. The same measure you meet with all shall it be measured to you again. Folks, to receive, you have to give. To receive, you have to give. The Dead Sea is, uh, re receives uh, water from the, uh, from the uh, Jordan River by way of the Sea of Galilee. And the Dead Sea receives water, but there has no outlet. And hence, it's dead. And a person that's always receiving and never giving does not experience the fullness of life. I want to suggest to you, you number one, you give yourself to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 5. That's the first thing you give. You give yourself to the Lord by believing on Jesus, by repenting of your sins, by confessing your faith in Jesus Christ, by being baptized into Christ. And then as a member of His body, you, you work and you become involved in the church and you take the resources that God has given to you and you use them wisely for His cause, for His benefit. On the first day of the week, when the saints come together to worship, we have the obligation of giving as we have been prospered. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 and verse 2. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And we also want to urge you right now to pick up the phone and call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. 
If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.